0: <laughs> Let's go, Maxwell. Yeah, you should hit record. That'd be a good idea. One, two, three, four, five, six. All right. Yeah, I got it. I got it. I mean, look at my shitty tungsten lighting I have in my little office room. But you see my cool little posters. Um, I mean, I was really interested in the games played topic. um, And I think it's pretty relevant right now. Like the NBA is currently looking at solutions. They're really looking at shortening the season to 72 games. They're trying to find different incentives to keep players active longer. I just think that's a super relevant topic right now. I love the G League isn't real. Honestly, I think think the three you proposed are perfect. G League isn't real. Rule changes for college basketball because I have a lot of opinions on that. Um, and then, you know, the injury one, if we have time, we can get to it. And if we want to save that for you and Shane or something, makes sense. All right. I have at least a general idea. Yeah. I can speak maybe a bit to the study. I'll have to pull those notes up real quick. Uh, but Yeah. Hey guys, it's fucking Max. You just turned into a fucking chain smoker. <laughs> so what we can do, you can still intro the segment like, hey, Brendan, welcome in, blah, blah, blah. And then at the top, you know how... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could say Brendan Ryder. That's fine. And yeah, yeah. No, no, I was still Pac twelve networks. So it was Pac twelve, so we had Utah and Colorado in there. So yeah, we're Pac twelve. I mean we grew up with the Pac Ten. That's very real. And now to see, you know, UCLA and S C move to the Big Ten, that that just doesn't sit right with me, but you know, we'll see what that leads to. Stan, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I I do have the tweet. So Stan tweets, this is January 17th of this year, says, 90s NBA teams just had a trainer and a strength coach. They practiced more often and harder and played more back-to-backs. Teams now have huge medical and performance staffs and value rest over practice, yet injury and games missed our way up. Something's not working. Um, and then to that, that's where KD replied, Stan spittin'. And then there's where the funny miscommunication was, Stan had no idea that KD's actually on his side. Um, But Stan raises some pretty interesting points, um, you know, specifically with kind of the uh, change in staff over the years and how we have a lot more performance staff, sports scientists like yourself, Max, that are really able to kind of um, quantify a lot of this data and um, at least provide some good recommendations on how maybe to prevent injuries. But to Stan's point, um, the things that have been implemented just don't seem to be working. Players are missing so many games. It's become a huge issue in the league. So... <laughs> exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, and I think, Max, you also kind of alluded to it a bit in in how things have changed so much, not in just the athletes like you were talking about. I think it's, it's very clear athletes today, bigger, stronger, faster, which is going to lead to more injuries you know because there's more force there's more you know variability in there that will lead to injuries but an interesting kind of um point here is to how the game has completely changed um and now i'm just kind of using my general observations but you know back in the 90s early 2000s strength was probably a big um incentive for players to have and to increase you look at jordan and the last dance they talk about his next step was was really improving his strength getting stronger so he could deal with those Pistons teams. But if you look at the game now, everything is so spread out. So you're looking at covering way more space, you're running way more distances between each possession, um, and it's a different type of stress on the body. And there was this study done uh, by PLOS One by these four different uh, sports scientists, and they were really trying to focus on what type of injuries are most common, uh, specifically pre and post COVID. Um, So the timeline's a little bit skewed here, not quite uh, what i was looking at from comparing the 90s to today but even just from the early 2010s uh, to now we're seeing a huge increase in these different types of injuries that were previously very uncommon and a lot of those are abductor hip and groin injuries where you know back in the 90s you're looking at a lot of knee ankles kind of kind of injuries where here now we're looking at a whole different type of of injury that the league is dealing with um, and i just kind of want to get your opinion on what you think the kind of change in how the game is played has um, kind of contributed to that. Because we look at Steph, he's totally revolutionized basketball. Everything's just pace and space. Um, and I know that, you know, I, I would imagine that has a huge impact on, you know, the stress on the athlete's body and kind of how they need to change the way they prepare for the season and uh, for the postseason, uh, especially. Right. Right? (laughs) <laughs> right. Right, so I, I guess, and this is the million-dollar question we're asking right now: what's what's the solution in the modern NBA? Um, and that's you know the question the league I think currently is really trying to figure out because it's it's killing the fan experience. What? what, what yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so with that Wayne Bar in mind, I guess what what does the league need to do right now? Which is where I think they run into a lot of issues, right? Because how's the player association going to take these new incentives to, you know, you got to play at least 70 games or whatever it is, 60 games to be eligible for all NBA um, accolades. Yeah. Right. It's true, how do you protect the player from themselves? Yeah, that's that's a huge part, but I don't know. Is that an issue in the NBA though? That's uh, I don't know. It seems like players are more willing to take that rest than risk, you know, a further injury. You look at Brandon Ingram, I don't know what that toe injury was, but he was out since November and he's just finally getting back this week. Um, and you know, like you said, he has that guaranteed money, so what's the point of going out there and risking, you know, basically just exacerbating what could be a minor injury Uh, but but is it worth missing three months of the season I'm sure the Pelicans aren't happy (laughs) with with that you know injury report so it's like you said it's walking that tight line but I wonder if you know we're if we're looking at the season what are your thoughts on maybe eliminating back-to-backs you know we we keep an 82 game season but we expand it you know I don't I don't know what the media title rights would look like there but If you eliminate the back-to-backs, yeah Hmm, I like that idea like you really you really just do like a your whole three game series in one week Yeah right yeah right yeah and you know I, i i'm guessing the scheduling logistics for that would would be pretty nightmarish but then let's let's assume that's an option and and You know, there's enough data to support it. The NBA bites at it. Does the postseason follow the same schedule it currently has? Because now you're moving from a season of, okay, I'm a player. I'm expecting to have three games. You know, if I'm a Warriors player, I'm playing three games at Chase Center this week. But now, okay, we got to the postseason. I'm making it to the semis, the conference finals. Now I'm playing every other day again, traveling back and forth. Are you worried about that stress on the player? Are you worried about them breaking down in the postseason? Do we need to shift the thinking of how we schedule a postseason, or does that all stay consistent with how it currently is? I guess not. I guess not in the playoffs, but I, I wonder if if we're not matching kind of the styles between the regular season and the playoffs, how that would mess with the player physically and mentally? Because um, now you're talking about a huge strain in, in traveling. I mean, those guys are also playing 30 games a season (laughs) compared to 82, right? That's a bit of an apples to oranges. Of travel. Hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah mm. and and that's been a huge you know ins- not incentive but a huge um basically just objective for the nba is to make this league much more global but the but the G League right now, as, as I'm looking at it, I feel like it's a league where the NBA can just be completely experimental with, right now, specifically different rules and rule changes. Um, you know, you look at the All-Star scoring and how they've changed that, you know, that began in the G League. Um, and I know the NBA is looking at this mid-season tournament, and they'll pro- they're going to experiment it in the G League. So the G League's value in the player development area is definitely lacking, and I 100% agree with you. You know, you're looking at these rosters, 90% of those guys just won't make it up you know to the to the actual big show but there's a lot of value there right now with how they're kind of experimenting with moving basketball forward specifically nba basketball (laughs) but i i see what you're saying but Like you said, then you then you're forced as an organization and a team to invest in your player development. You can't just throw a G League team together and call it done. Right. So I guess if we also look at the G League um, in kind of the lens of how like Prem League soccer does their club systems? What are your thoughts on maybe using the G League as more of a purely player development spot? You know, we eliminate a lot of this AAU, you know, trouble that we have, and we just have the best players identified from a young age, and they're just brought up in these G League systems, you know, kind of similar to club soccer. I mean, completely. I mean, how different is it from IMG Academy, Oak Hill, and these different academies that are just, but in terms of the structure of it, what's the point of of, of you going to IMG Academy to play football? What's the point? Are you there to get an education? No, you're there to get recruited. You're going to go play division one basketball. You're, you're That's the first step to getting to the pro league in the United States, right? If you're going to go to the, one of those academies, every Oak Hill player, their, their plan is to go to Oak Hill. Hoop there for four years, go D1, one and done, right? So, I mean, we kind of have that system right now with these high school academies. So I'm wondering if the NBA just looks at that and says, why don't we just provide this in the G League? And we're seeing it now with the one and done guys that go straight G League and then to the league, so... Well, imagine, imagine if you're going to go to a G League game and literally the nation's top 50 players all signed to G League teams. That's that's more interesting to watch than a bunch of guys trying to make it into the league, wouldn't you say? I mean, if you change that league, it, it, you're gonna it, the product's going to change with it. Yeah, I'd I'd say you know uh, Jaime from UCLA. is about all I got. That's all I really got. Well, but look at the NCAA. Is this, I mean, that, is that more of an NCAA problem though right now? Because college basketball is a terrible product. And we are going to get into that as well on some rule changes that we think can at least help make the game a little bit more watchable. And in my opinion, take the game out of the coach's hands so much. But I, I don't know. I don't know if that's a one-to-one comparison. If we're looking at you know the current state of the NCAA versus the G League and if we change kind of the thinking behind it do they all go to the NCAA a lot of them do go to the G League much from going overseas yeah a lot of the best guys are now going to different places and then you know ncaa basketball compared to nba basketball just the rules just the rules themselves the nba is a better product it's way more entertaining so if you're going to have these 50 best players playing in ncaa you know uh, uh tom izzo systems uh jim boeheim systems these very regimented no freedom type of basketball systems which provide their own value sure But if you take all those kids, insanely talented kids, and plop them into an NBA style of basketball, it's going to be way more entertaining. It's going to be way more fun to watch. I agree with that, yeah. Oh, right now the product's pretty bad. I I can't lie. It's not great. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Right. Exactly, and I mean, I would argue college football rules are are built more for big explosive plays and highlighting those player you know type of uh, skills and their just overall athleticism like you were saying um i mean look at just college offense college football offense it's now finally creeping into the nfl and it's it was it's all just big play potential and then you just you, you juxtapose that with college basketball it's just the polar opposite it's like the game wants these really fun athletic players to just be Here's your role. You're sticking to it. That's all you're doing. You're not shooting 15 footers, Mr. Foreman. All you're going to be doing is boxing out and getting rebounds. That's all you're doing. And if you catch it in the mid post, it's either quick swing to the wing or you're going to dump it down low to the center. Those are your options. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the the bangs in college basketball, it's extremely physical. And then, you know, no defensive three seconds. The lane is just a complete nightmare all the time. There's no space. Um, yeah, that's that's what I don't get. Why doesn't the NCA just just have it just have your college basketball system just prepare players for the NBA, right? That's gonna give you the most entertaining product, is it not? And that's the whole goal of the NCAA. They don't care about actual student athletes getting their degree. They want an entertaining product that will sell, right? Yeah. Completely new. Yeah. Right, right <laughs> hmm right. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of things they obviously have to kind of rethink. Um, but that's the one thing I appreciate about a league like the NBA. You know, they're not just going to sit on what's worked for them, especially with Adam Silver as their commissioner. I mean, he's going to play with a bunch of different ideas and find a solution to these things and these problems. But um, I, I love the idea of leveraging the G League a little bit more. Um, I feel like there's so much potential there. Um and they're figuring it out, you know, I, I think with how creative they're being with that league. I love it. But I think to your point, the, the next step, I think, is including player development in there. Um, and I think that will help with a lot of the, the, the injury issues we're looking at and we're seeing. Um We're like the G League. We're, we're trying to experiment. <laughs> we're looking for what will work. just putting me way on the spot here this is this this should be interesting (laughs) okay what they are okay okay as they come in so i just have to be pretty fucking perceptive here and know what's coming up dog this is gonna be hilarious i'm down idea Oh, five last. I I despise the idea of a four-point line. That just makes the game so gimmicky and campy it's fine with the three-point line let's work on getting that we have enough space we don't need a four-point line now the range of like players like steph clay dame um it's it, it'd be fun to see a four-point line maybe for a few games but no I, I i i hate i hate that rule idea i'd put that dead last dead last I I already I I guess so, but I'm I'm letting you know I do not like the four point line idea. I hope that 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 stays. I okay, yeah. I put that. God, God, I gotta know what your other options are. This is rough. I'd put that at two. Honestly, I love watching that idea. Then we eliminate this whole issue of the offensive goaltending problem, um, and people can be way more aggressive. Um, when that ball's on the rim, I, I actually really love that idea I love when I watch FIBA and I see these guys just slapping the ball off the rim I think it makes defense way more dynamic um, And it makes things a lot more clear from the offensive side when you can touch the ball when you can't so yeah I put that at two Four seconds, so we're eliminating a second from the five in college in the nba i i don't think it's that needed i haven't seen it be an issue i'll put that at four right behind uh the stupid four-point line <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I don't need to explain much more i i mean for i, I don't see a lot of NBA guards just holding the ball at the top of the key for the whole shot clock or, you know, them just trying to ice the game. I think a 24-second shot clock eliminates a lot of this kind of stalling that you see. So, that is true. I mean, but in my opinion, I... You know, it's something to think about, but I'll still put it at four. I, I still just don't think it's that needed. I know I know people look at the James Harden style of play, the Luca Doncha style of play, and they don't like it, but I don't think it's that big of an issue. <laughs> oh wow. This is out. Definitely a out-of-the-box type of rule. I, I really like this, actually, the more I'm thinking about it. Because um, then you're eliminating all this shot jacking. Ex- exactly. You can't just huck a bunch of threes. Um, I mean, my only slot for it, it's not one, so I guess i got to stick it at three. Um, so I'll go three. I, I like that rule. That's an interesting idea to really limit the amount of just shots you could jack up. My boy Russ, if you could see him up there, might have an issue with it. Hopefully he doesn't shoot that many threes, but... And this is my number one. That's terrible. <laughs> uh, Alright, so if you hit three straight, you're getting an additional point, you said? Every basket. So if I let's say I had three layups in a row, my fourth layup's worth three points. If I hit that three, it's a four. Okay, as a team too. <laughs> you're getting that extra point there yeah that's a. yeah at first i was a little i was gonna say at first i was a little a little nervous about that but um we're not nervous but i wasn't so sure yeah the way you position that it, it kind of would also make teams be a little bit more careful with their offensive possessions and not be so quick to shoot the first three that they see um god that'd be so interesting for pace too how would that influence pace i i guess i gotta put it at one because that's the only slot i have open um kind of a terrible strategy by me i should have definitely put the one i liked most when i heard it at one but um yeah I, I guess that's my list there i'll keep that one at one so my my favorite rule according to this game is going to be uh three straight makes equals an additional point on the next basket for the team <coughs> number two Okay, let's go through the I, I, let's go through the bonuses then we can review the list, yeah. So my the issue with that rule would be what happens with the now hack shack type of stuff. We got to find a way to balance that. I, well, that's been, that's been the case. That's been the whole argument for getting rid of the hack-a-shack role, right? Is right? You just got to make your free throws. But we know these players can, they work on their free throws, right? It's not like Dwight Howard didn't work on his free throws, right? This guy was making 100 out of 100. All right, all right. All right. <laughs> Three personal fouls. Is what? That's then you're out. Wow, three. I mean, guys pick up three fouls in the first quarter pretty quickly. I don't like that one. That that just limits. Then then everyone's gonna be playing real soft defense. I mean, three fouls and you're done. I mean, the one foul in the first five minutes, you're on the bench. Okay, so you still have to keep the verticality kind of foundation there. You can't just be, like, hacking a guy and all you're in the contact zone, no foul. (laughs) Like, that's crazy. Mm. That's an interesting idea. I feel like it's still still – very much kind of that way now, no. Like, I feel like as long as you're standing vertically and you're not moving forward into the guy. Uh, i got to refresh my my rule knowledge. If, if that's the case, then I think for sure, then, yeah, that sh- you should be able to contact the offensive player if he's in that charge circle. You should be able to at least, if you're going vertically, make sure there can be a little bit of contact there because then what else is the defender really supposed to do? I guess rotate earlier and be in position on time, but... You know, we, we got to give the defense a, a, a bit more help here. <laughs> Everything's so catered toward offense. Let's go. Just go off the cup. Give me that. Elam ending. Love it. I'm all for it. I think it makes the game so fucking fun. Makes it so dynamic. You're looking at how the all-star game is played now with the Elam ending. The all-star game is entertaining now in the fourth quarter. Like it's tense. It's fun. I love that rule um, it makes your sub patterns way more interesting makes the end of games way more aggressive I'm all about the Elam rule I know the purists probably won't want to see this thing implemented in real NBA basketball but I I think it would be an amazing addition and a cool way to kind of refresh the league and um, i I'm I'm, I'm I'm all about it I love the Elam ending No, no four on four. Give me the five. I need five on five. Four on four is too much space. We're going to see even more injuries. Keep keep five on five. (laughs) You're telling me I can't think, dog. I'm going as fast as I can. So, so we're talking about some, some special, some, all right. So how, how do these rules get activated? So what needs to happen for the backboard to, to be removed? Okay. So is every game going to be different too? each game is a different set of objectives to get for, an Yeah. Yeah, at the beginning, the three little icon codes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic. (laughs) Three in the arc, dude. See, this is what the NBA should be doing with the G League, Max. You need to be in their creatives department telling them what these new rule changes. <laughs> <You get> to... <laughs> oh, my God. Um, well, I got to just off. This just came to me when you described that. I actually was talking about this with a couple of my old teammates. What what if the NBA implemented hockey substitution rules? Just no stoppage. It's just you can sub guys in and out as the game's going. Mm. I, I'd have to. I'd have to familiarize myself with those FIBA rules. I mean, I, I, those ideas are interesting. Um, I mean, it just completely changed the way basketball is played and your whole thinking of, of the game. So it, it'll never happen, but it's fun to think about. God, could you imagine like a whole line swap in transition and then trying to get back to your matchups and figure out who the hell you're guarding? That would be, that would be insane. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Well, thank you, Max, for having me. It's uh, been a pleasure. I love listening to you and Shane. Shane, miss you, man. Don't worry. I'm just I'm just keeping the seat warm for you. Um, but, yeah, excited for what you guys have been coming up with, and um, thank you guys all for listening. Good shit, Max.